ESPN Radio. What would an afternoon show be without some breaking news? This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. ESPN Radio is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Coleman ESPN at Amber W790. So we have some breaking news. Adrian Wojnarowski and Jeff Passan are reporting that progress toward further changes to NYC's private sector vaccine mandate has inspired confidence that Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving could be back on court for home games in the near future. He goes on to say Yankees and Mets players would also be cleared before opening day as well. The story is to come. Now, Freddie, that is quite the development because just yesterday we heard remarks From the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, he had a very different tone. So this story has certainly changed. Here is Eric Adams' remarks yesterday. Right now, we're going to take some complaints. But when this is all said and done, people are going to realize this is a thoughtful administration and we got it right. And so baseball, basketball, um, businesses, all of those things, they have to wait until that layer come. And right now, we're announcing just our two to four-year-olds. So those are some of the comments. He went on to say that after those comments, that professional athletes are going to have to wait their turn in line. And that was really the impactful comment where we were surmising yesterday, me and Chris Canty, that, hey, this didn't sound like this was going to happen in time for Kyrie Irving. And listen, we're at the end of the season here uh, for Kyrie Irving. And then into the postseason, it's going to be upon us before we're, we even know it. So we were saying, hey, it sounds like it's a wrap. We're not going to see Kyrie. Now we get the information from Woj and Jeff Passan that not so fast. We might see him after all on the home court in Brooklyn. What kind of world are we living in now that the NFL is so popular that Jeff Passan and Adrian Wilson Ross get to combine those stories together to dilute the National Football League? That's where we are in sports right now from that standpoint, going beyond that. But I had an inkling yesterday, this is just me spitballing, that when Mayor Adams said that we're going to see what happens April 2nd, April 4th, that kids can have the optional mask. And if the reports keep saying that the reports are low in terms of the numbers, then they're going to take another step. As soon as I heard that, that how all the makers, okay, when is this going to be lifted for private sectors to say that you no longer have to worry about wearing a mask and masks are going to be optional, especially if you're unvaccinated. The minute I heard that from Eric Adams, because we always know you want to see what happens with one section first, and if that works out, then it's a step-by-step process. And I'm sure he's tired of hearing from people saying, free Kyrie, free Kyrie. I didn't realize Kyrie was in jail. The guy can't play basketball, still getting paid. I guess that's the kind of jail we all need to be in from that standpoint. But the minute I heard that from Mayor Adams in New York, I said, I wonder when, what the next step was going to be and how much of an effect that could have for people like Kyrie Irving or anybody in the New York Yankees. Because Aaron Judge, he's not unvaccinated. He hasn't said it out loud, but we all can read between the lines. Same thing with Jacob DeGrom, the pitcher of the New York Mets. The minute that I heard that yesterday about kids and masks being optional by April the 2nd, I wanted the next that was going to be that the private sector was going to employ the same kind of strategy. So apparently there's optimism in that regard. And the Nets have 10 games left. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving, as it sits right now with the vaccine mandate, wouldn't be able to play in seven of those. It's six home games, and then they have a game uh, against the Knicks as well. So he wouldn't be available for seven of their remaining 10 while they're fighting in a play-in type scenario or fighting against a play-in type scenario, sitting at eighth right now in the East. So this would dramatically change the situation for the Brooklyn Nets. And by the way, I should mention the Nets, of course, they take on the Grizzlies tonight. That is a 7.30 p.m. tip-off 
on ESPN. That is in Memphis. So Kyrie can play in that game. But one of the rare instances that if this vaccine mandate remains in effect, that Kyrie can play in the game. That is huge down the stretch here for the Brooklyn Nets. The sad part is John Morant's not going to be out there because I'd love to see that match of both of those dudes going at, at each other full board with Kyrie Irving on one side. A definitely well-rested Kyrie Irving and a John Morant on the other side. And I think Memphis is making the right play trying to save him down the stretch. But to your point, you look at the Brooklyn Nets schedule. Memphis on the road, at Miami on the road, so Kyrie can play in those games. Then home versus Charlotte, home versus Detroit, home versus Milwaukee. Unless that vaccine mandate is lifted by then, can't play in those. Then at Atlanta, he'll play in that one. Home versus Houston, the likelihood is he may not play in that one. At New York, won't play in that one. Home versus Cleveland, and then home versus Indiana. So to your point, this Brooklyn Nets team in a dogfight trying to avoid the play-in situation in Eastern Conference. And even if they do, that's extra games they'll be able to play. So if anybody needs that vaccine mandate to change in their favor, it is definitely the Brooklyn Nets because the guy they have in that basketball team, as talented as Kevin Durant is, and for my money, he's the best ball player in the world. But a one-man show is not going to win it, especially when Ben Simmons ain't playing this year. He ain't playing the regular season, not playing in the postseason because of that herniated disc that came, that became news yesterday. Aaron, I'm still trying to figure out, if you traded for Ben Simmons, and let's say you knew about a potential herniated disc problem, and you still made the trade anyway, just to move on from James Harden, that's just bad business as far as I'm concerned with the Brooklyn Nets. At that point, have James Harden and Kyrie have a kumbaya moment and try to figure that out. So you're not going to have Ben Simmons, and then a possibility could exist that you may not have Kyrie Irving in the regular season and the playoffs as great as Kevin Durant is in a better Eastern Conference. That's even too much for him to try to have that team go through a gauntlet and try to get to the NBA Finals win an NBA championship without Kyrie Irving. I think the Ben Simmons situation is a wrap with 10 games left in the season. And even if he was able by some miracle to get back out there again this season or in the postseason, how could he possibly be ready? It's been so long since he's played basketball. And I feel like that might be why what happened here, we don't know for sure, but what happened here with this disc is it's possible that he didn't have it actually when he was traded, but maybe because he hasn't been playing consistently and then he ramps up the training and maybe that, you know, he didn't stay in shape quite the way that maybe he should have. I don't know. Uh, but we've heard those rumblings before about the work ethic there with Ben Simmons. And so maybe he ramps up the training to try to get out there for the Nets after the trade and throws out his back. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't have any... Um, I don't have any experience, Freddie. This might surprise you on being a world-class athlete, but I would imagine <laughs> that even for a world-class athlete, you could probably throw, throw out your back pretty easily if you don't keep yeah. yourself you know, in rhythm when you're trying to do something as taxing as playing basketball at that level. Yeah, especially let's say they play in the playing game because right now the Brooklyn Nets are in the eighth spot. They're three games behind the Cleveland Cavaliers to avoid that playing situation. They would play the Charlotte Hornets in the first round. They would have a home game, so Kyrie Irving can't play in that one. Let's say they win that one. They they play the winner Toronto versus Atlanta. Either way, if Atlanta wins, they're playing in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving may not be able to play. If Toronto wins, he can't play in that one because the mandate is there in Canada. So mm-hmm. that's how important it is going down the stretch and why so many people have eyes focused on now a potential that the mandates could be reversed when it comes to private sectors in New York because that Brooklyn Nets team – they have a lot to deal with and a lot to potentially lose, even though right now they're not among the top six teams in the Eastern Conference. 
They aren't. Uh, they're certainly a scary team sitting there at eighth. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman here on ESPN Radio. We are reacting to the breaking news from Woj and Jeff Passan that progress towards further changes to NYC's private sector vaccine mandate has inspired confidence that Kyrie Irving will be allowed to play in home games for the Brooklyn Nets. They are sitting at eighth in the East. You know, I'm a big Miami Heat fan, Freddie. The reward for being at the top of the East the entire season, like my Miami Heat have had Ben is uh, to probably match up with the Brooklyn Nets in the first round of the postseason. Yeah, can you imagine that kind of matchup? Miami Heat in the first round against the Brooklyn Nets, they're able to get out of play-in situation. Let's say, let's say the Brooklyn Nets move up to number seven, and they want to play the Milwaukee Bucks, who right now the second-best record in the Eastern Conference when it comes to that. Those kind of matches, you're saying to yourself, we worked all year long that hard for this, and we got to meet that team. That would be as good as anybody, even without Ben Simmons playing in a first-round matchup. And you look at the Eastern Conference, you mentioned Miami, and I mentioned Milwaukee, Philadelphia 76ers. Boston's been out of their minds lately. They won nine in their last ten. A team that many people worried about also then in the fourth spot. The one wild card there is the Chicago Bulls. One in 17 against top six teams when it comes to records, not just in Eastern Conference, but in the NBA. So how much of a potential paper tiger could they be? That could be a best possible matchup. Let's say if you're Brooklyn, you play Miami Heat in the first round, you beat them. Then if the Bulls upset the Celtics in the second round, all of a sudden it becomes an easier draw for a team that's the eighth-place team potentially mm-hmm. in Eastern Conference when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. It's pretty wild to think that a team sitting at eighth, especially if this is lifted, if Kyrie is out there for that team night in and night out, when it matters most going into the postseason here and down the stretch in the regular season, you are talking about a team sitting at eighth that's going to be the favorite for a lot of people going into this postseason, which is pretty remarkable to think. But that's where we're at with the Brooklyn Nets. Again, tonight they match up with the Memphis Grizzlies. That is a 7.30 p.m. tip-off on ESPN. Coming up. How does the Chiefs and Dolphins trade impact the AFC landscape? This uh, Brooklyn Nets, potential Brooklyn Nets news is not the only breaking news <laughs> here that we've been dealing with today. We get into that more next. This is ESPN Radio. The latest NFL blockbuster trade, the Kansas City Chiefs are sending Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. This is now the fastest wide receiver duo in NFL history. I think the pressure is ramped up as high as you can put it onto a tongue of our lower. ESPN Radio. Once again, massive news this NFL offseason. Star receiver Tyreek Hill's time with Chiefs is over. Tyreek Hill, he's worth every cent that he got because someone will give it to him. He's been traded to the Dolphins for five draft picks. Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. I mean, consider that. Tyreek Hill wants to be the highest-paid receiver in the league. And the Chiefs said, yeah, that's not happening. And now enter Tyreek Hill, who becomes the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. Sorry, Devontae Adams. Yeah, sorry, Devontae Adams. Your moment lasted for (laughs) not even a cup of coffee. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So the Kansas City Chiefs have traded away six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for... For five draft picks, that is 
a first rounder this year, a second rounder this year, a fourth rounder this year, and then a fourth and a sixth rounder in next year's NFL draft. And oh, by the way, Freddie, the Dolphins also made Tyreek Hill, of course, the highest paid receiver in NFL history, a $120 million extension, including $72.2 million guaranteed. All this guaranteed money Mm -hmm. flowing around this NFL offseason has been remarkable to watch. A, A real testament to players realizing how important, of course, the guarantee is. So now a blockbuster trade in the NFL. The Kansas City Chiefs did try to hold on to Tyreek Hill, and they tried to reach an extension with him, and when those talks stalled, and namely thanks to Devontae Adams resetting the entire receiver market, Mm -hmm. then they realized they needed to move on from him, get what they could in return for him. Obviously, you can't just let him walk one day uh, with nothing in return, so that's exactly what they did. They got a hole here, if you're the Chiefs, but at least in the interim, it's still feels like a huge loss for the Chiefs. Yeah, because that kind of production, think about this in his first six years in the National Football League, Tyreek Hill has either been an all-pro and or a Pro Bowl player. Those kind of guys you don't just replace and say we're going to be okay. But I will say this when it comes to Tyreek Hill, he better get used to a lot of short passes and running a long way because the days of running down the field and catching 50-yard bombs, that's not happening in that offense because Tua Tungvalu does not have that kind of harm that Patrick Mahomes is going to have. So we talk about an adjustment that's going to happen involving Tua Tungvalu and Tyreek Hill. That's the one adjustment nobody's talking about, that he's going to have to really change his game a little bit because a lot of those short passes, that can work with Kansas City. You can't have to worry about other people. They know that everybody can be pretty much bunched together because Tua Tungvalu does not have that arm to push the ball down the field to play to the strength of Tyreek Hill. You are doing my guy Tua dirty, but it's fair. I'm doing him dirty. We, we have not seen him push it down the field. Now, to counter your point, is it possible okay. it was more about Brian Flores' offense? Is it possible that they were babying him a little bit too much with the dinking and dunking? And also, is it possible it was the fault of the line? Because we know this last season he had the worst O-line in the entire NFL in front of him he didn't have any time if you look at his time in order to get that ball out it was remarkably short now I remember the season before the O-line was also pretty bad but we saw a lot of time with Ryan Fitzpatrick under center and although Ryan Fitzpatrick can sometimes be Fitz's magic and can other times be Fitz tragic what he did bring in with all of that NFL experience because Lord knows he's played for every team in the NFL at this point and (laughs) He was getting the ball out when he was under center in under two and a half seconds. Mm -hmm. It was remarkable, his release. That is one of the positive things about Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so when he was out there, that O-line didn't look nearly as bad as it was. And then, of course... They couldn't cover it up with Tua, but that's still fair to Tua because, you know, a very young quarterback, that's one of the things you're not necessarily immediately going to make your reads and get the ball out immediately. It's going to take you a little bit more time to process everything happening so quickly in front of you. And so that O-line really got exposed. Maybe that was the problem. The Dolphins have absolutely boosted up that O-line this offseason, spent big money there, including Teron Armstead. One thing we're going to find about Tua Tungavailoa, because the one thing that I believe, Amber, that he has struggled with in the National Football League, you have to be able to make those anticipation throws. When a guy's able to get to a spot, you got to be accurate and on time with that throw down the field. I don't question being accurate, but I think a lot of times Tua Tungavailoa has been accurate when guys have been open or he has an open window. Sometimes you got to trust that, man, that guy's going to get to that spot. I'm going to put the ball that has to be there. That's been a hallmark of Aaron Rodgers. That's been a hallmark of Tom Brady. That's been a hallmark of Patrick Mahomes. Even guys who aren't on their level, like a Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan can make those still anticipation throws that will serve the Indianapolis Colts a lot better in 2022 than it was not served by Carson Wentz in 2021. 
now with these kind of weapons, your Tua Tungavailoa, it can't just be waiting until a guy's open. You got to say, when I plant my foot, if he gets to that spot, I trust he's going to get there. I got enough arm strength to get it there. And in that offense, it's going to rely on a lot of the San Francisco 49ers, precision passing attack. But when a guy is there, make the throw. They're going to have a lot of easy throws with Tua Tungavailoa in this offense based on play action. But you got to be able to make those anticipation throws because, Amber, you know this. Windows in the National Football League, they get a lot dirtier than staying open in the National Football League. And when that window is there, you got to have a lot, of, a lot of trust in your team, but trusting yourself to make those kind of short window throws or closed window throws before they really shut down on you. And then the Miami Dolphins are looking for another quarterback maybe as soon as later on this year if this is not working out early with Tua Tagovailoa. Well, Tyreek Hill will certainly help. Said Wilson will certainly help. It is in the help in the backfield they brought in and Mostert and Edmonds will definitely help as well. It will definitely be on Tua, though, to take that next step. I, I will disagree in terms of his accuracy. I have seen him thread the needle in remarkable ways, but it's okay. still on the short passes. Oh, so right. I do think like his accuracy has been remarkable when you watch Tua play, but I do understand the concerns about his arm strength. It's the same thing I have also been concerned about now watching Tua the last two years, right. and we just have not seen it much in his NFL career. Dolphins fans who are big Tua proponents, they will tweet out videos of Tua from his time at Alabama because there were times in that offense he was airing it out. And they will swear Tua has the arm to do it. But until you do it in in the the NFL, NFL, none of it matters. (laughs) And so some of this is going to come down to Mike McDaniel's offense, how he uses all of these weapons. And a lot of this is going to come down to Tua taking that next step, at least for the Dolphins, though. They've put him in a position of success. And so you and I don't have to have this conversation conversation then next off season where we're evaluating whether two is good or not. We're going to know. We're going to find out also Amber real quick. How much of a difference maker was he for Kansas city or did Patrick Mahomes make him the cheetah? We're going to find out sooner than later with Tua Tonga by throwing the Tyree kill and not Patrick Mahomes. It's not going to look as good as it did with Patrick Mahomes no. throwing to him. I don't no. think that can be the expectation. Tua ain't Patrick Mahomes. But it could still look pretty darn good, and we could still see some greatness here from Tyreek Hill. Coming up next, though, how much pressure is on Tua Tungvaloa? That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Freddie, Freddie Coleman. ESPN Radio. The latest NFL blockbuster trade, the Kansas City Chiefs are sending Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Four years, 120 with 72 guaranteed. Tyreek Hill wanted to become the highest paid wide receiver in football. The Miami Dolphins are big money spenders, and that is not something I am used to saying. This is ESPN Radio (laughs) on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman coming here down the stretch. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So a huge blockbuster trade today for the Miami Dolphins. Acquiring Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. They give up five draft picks in order to do so. Let's unpack the Miami Dolphins side of this. And for that, we bring in Channing Crowder, of course, former Miami Dolphins linebacker, host of the Hawkman and Crowder show on 560 WQAM. And Channing, first of all, just your thoughts generally on the Dolphins so far this offseason, because not only do they trade for Tyreek and, and pay that man, I'm not used to talking about them paying people and making big splashy trades, but they also acquired Cedric Wilson, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and of course, Armstead as well. So the Dolphins have made some serious moves this offseason. Where would you grade their work so far? Oh, I got to give them an A. I got to give him a, I want another lineman, Amber. Thank you so much, Amber and Freddie, for having me on. 
I would love more protection, but I got to give him an A. Uh-huh. There's an old saying, when, when you knew a guy got paid in the locker room, you say you can't hide money. <laughs> like, something's going to change. When you got a little money, you're going to wear a different chain. Your clothes are going to be starched different. You're going to have a different car. You can't hide money. The Dolphins had, the, you know, the most money in the NFL this offseason, this free agent period, and in the salary cap, and they're spending it. I wanted a splash. You know, we signed Teddy, we brought in Mostert, we, you know, signed Chase Edmonds. We had some guys, Connor Williams, who's going to help that old line. We, they, they were making some, some moves that I liked, but I needed that whale, I needed that splash. And today around, what, 12 o'clock, I got the splash I wanted. Tyreek Hill, he's not the best receiver in the league. Some people say he's not. Devontae Adams, who actually I think made Tyreek leave Kansas City because he wanted that Devontae money. Devontae Adams, you got uh, my, you know Michael Thomas if he's healthy. But playmakers, he is one of the best playmakers, if not the best playmaker in the world, the most explosive player. They call him the cheater. He's fast as hell. My man, this was what I needed, this splash, and I love what Chris Greer is doing right now, building this team, building these weapons out for Tua Tagovailoa. Channing, how much will he have to adjust his game? Because in that Kansas City offense, they were able to push the ball down the field. That's not what Tua Tagovailoa has been known for. How much will he have to maybe adapt his game early on before everybody gets comfortable? Um, it's going it's to take a transition period because, let's be honest, now he was playing with the best quarterback in the world too now. Patrick Mahomes is special. He is a spe- he's that once-in-a-lifetime type guy that you see. You know, so Patrick Mahomes special. And that's what everybody's putting on Tua. I heard Ryan Clark during the update, he was talking about we're going to see how really good Tua is. That's true. We're also going to see how good Mike McDaniel is. Because he was with Kyle Shanahan, and they were running, you know, that run-first, play-action offense. And now you have these weapons. you got to learn how to utilize these weapons. Andy Reid knows how to do it. Andy Reid is one of my – I love Andy Reid to death. I played Andy Reid. I played against his teams. It was always something Andy Reid would throw at you you've never seen before. So Andy knows how to, how to, how to construct an offense, you know, to, to prepare for any defense. So now Mike McDaniel, as well as Tua, have to figure that out. But, Freddie, to answer your question – it's going to be some conversations. Like, I expect Tyreek Hill now being the highest-paid receiver, what, four for 128, 75 guaranteed. Like, he might have to go to lunch with two every now and again. <laughs> hey, bro, when you, th- when you run that play action, if I'm on a crosser, the guy behind me is never going to catch me. Let the ball fly, big homie. You know what I'm saying? Like, have that trust in me because Jalen Waddle's a dog as well. Jalen Waddle is, is an upcoming star. They have him. You know, Amber, you brought it up. Cedric, Cedric Wilson, Jr. They brought him some weapons. Resigning Mike Gusecki. Like, they are putting together some weapons for Tua. But leaving Kansas City and with, with Patrick Mahomes and now going to play with Tua, it's going to be a process to get comfortable and Tua to get comfortable knowing and seeing how damn fast this man is. And if you get the ball in his hands, a 15-yard reception can turn into an 80-yard touchdown. That's what Tua has to know and has to utilize his weapons. Some of the targets of Waddle are going to go down to go to Tyreek, and Waddle better be quiet in the corner because the cheetah needs his targets too. Former Miami Dolphins linebacker Channing Crowder on with us, of course, host also of the Hawk and Crowder Show on 560 WQAM, the Pivot Podcast. He's all over the place. So, Channing, you said there that Tua is going to need to learn to air it out to Tyreek and take advantage of that speed. That's been the concern, though, with Tua, right, is that arm strength. Do you think that that's still a concern here with all of these weapons, or was it more just that this line was so atrocious the last couple years Tua didn't have time to get the ball down the field? Amber, I knew, I knew you'd bring it up. I thought I was going to tell you something you don't know. <laughs> Amber, you were down here with us. 
you were down with us peons for a while. Now you're national. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking with you. But that's what it was. We watched two. This is the funny thing, and I argue people all the time. We watched two at Alabama with Devontae Smith and those boys when they came back in the SC championship game. When Jalen Hurts got benched for Tua, Tua was throwing 60-yard dimes. He does not have a, a arm strength problem. He had a time problem down here. When he broke his ribs, Jesse Davis did not touch the deep boys in Milano, the linebacker from um, the, the Bills that broke his rib. He did not put a damn finger on him the whole play, and that's when Tua got injured last season. We, did not, we didn't have enough time. Tua can air the ball out. Tua's accurate. He can play quarterback. But this old line has been so bad. You draft a, a, uh, a number 18 Austin Jack from USC. You draft him in the first round and have to move him to guard? Nobody drafts a left guard in the first round. You draft a left tackle in the first round. They've missed on so many of these offensive linemen that the, the, the protection was not there. I love they brought in Connor Williams from Dallas. Gave him, what, two for 14. Gave him some money. The Teron Armstead, this, that's huge. Tyreek Hill, you know, kind of put him on the back burner. But Teron Armstead is huge. Three-time pro bowler, dog tackle. That's going to be. If Tua can get this protection, if they can, you know, solidify this line, that's the problem, Amber. It, it was the latter. It wasn't about Tua's ability. It was about the time for him to show his ability. And like I said earlier, it's time for Mike McDaniel to show without Kyle Shanahan that he can put together some very innovative-type offensive approaches with the play action. We know they're going to run the ball. He loves to run the ball, and I love He brought in a fullback. Who the hell signs fullbacks? What, Ingold, I think his name is? <laughs> Who the hell signs fullbacks in 2022? He's going to run this ball, and that's what I love about it. It's going to be a balanced offense. But when Tua comes out of that play action, faking that ball to Gasket, faking that ball to Mozart, faking that ball to Chase Edmonds, and he turns his shoulders, you have Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Mike Gusecki flying down the field, and if it's in man coverage, somebody is about to get walked away from defensively, and I love it. I know it's early, Channing, but how much closer does this bring Miami to the Buffalo Bills in the East, or does this put them over the Buffalo Bills in the East? Ooh, that's tough. You know, defensively, I know Von Miller went to Buffalo, and that was a hit. But the Dolphins defense, now the Dolphins defense has been dogs for a couple years now. Now let's not act like, you know, they re-signed Ogba. They gave Ogba a sack, too. They, like I said, you can't hide money. They gave Ogba some money. Jalen Phillips started playing. He broke the Dolphins, um, you know, a rookie sack record. They have Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. They got those two young safeties in Hollins and um, and Jones from Texas. They have a defense, man. That defense. You put the Dolphins defense on the L.A. Rams last year, they still win the Super Bowl. I really feel that Dolphins defense can play. Mm-hmm. It's the offense. So now you have weapons. Now you have Connor and Armstead to that offensive line. You brought in the running backs you want, Coach. Now what I'm talking to Mike McDaniels. You brought in the running backs that you wanted. You went and got Chase Edmonds. You went and got you went and got Mozart coming off that knee injury. So if this is what you want to put together, I would say that it's if Tua can get to not get to if he can approach a Josh Allen level, that's when the Dolphins can beat out. I think their weapons are right there. I love Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is one of my favorite receivers. Tyreek Hill is better than Stephon Diggs if you just want me to pick him out. Like, we, have, we, we win the tight end battle. We can go back and forth on position to position, but it's going to come down to if Tua can mature, if Tua can get to that higher ceiling that we all think he has and be somewhere around where Josh Allen is and can do, that's when they can run the AFC East. The Patriots are sitting still. I don't know what Bill Belichick's doing. They're, they're, just, <laughs> they're sitting still. I, they haven't signed anybody. Nope. They're just sitting where they are, and we all know the Jets ain't going to be worth a damn. So 
it's going to be on tour to get to a Josh Allen level, and that's when they can run the AFC East. Well, and Tyreek Hill chose us over the Jets. Us, listen to me, chose the Miami Dolphins over the Jets. Go, no, but, and, woo! And we'll hide it. Don't hide it. Woo, <laughs> Shannon, you are making me so excited. If I, could, if I could stand up right now and spike a football after this conversation with Channing Crowder, I would because I have never been so excited about the Miami Dolphins. Channing Crowder, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Y'all give me a call. Oh, he's terrific. He's a <laughs> Former boss. Miami Dolphins linebacker, of course, uh, Channing Crowder joining us. Woo, I'm going to need, I need a break to you, settle down from sure? all that. I am hyped <laughs> about this Miami Dolphins offseason coming off of all of that sexy Dolphins talk. But coming up next, Kyrie Irving is one step closer to being a full-time player. It's breaking news here from Woj and Jeff Passan. We unlock that next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. ESPN Radio. Woj and Jeff Passan are reporting that progress towards further changes to NYC's private sector vaccine mandate has inspired confidence that Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving could be back on the court for home games in the near future. Then Politico NY... Mm-hmm. tweeted out, Freddie, Kyrie Irving and other unvaccinated athletes will be allowed to play professional sports in New York City under a major policy change under Mayor Eric Adams, who's poised to announce it apparently uh, Thursday, according to sources familiar with the matter. So it looks like we may see a return of Kyrie Irving sooner rather than later, at least in terms of his home court and in terms of Madison Square Garden, because they do have a matchup with the Knicks coming up. Before this, Kyrie would have not been available for seven of their remaining 10 games for the Brooklyn Nets. This news is huge yeah. for the Nets. Watch you get COVID. I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just being, oh, I'm just being me from that standpoint. But if you're, you know it's big for the Brooklyn Nets, but yet you know who else is big for, Amber? The NBA. Because for the longest time, they didn't want to stay out of it, but they wanted to try to make sure that Kyrie Irving, one of their stars, one of their faces of the league, was going to have a chance to – impact the playoffs because Brooklyn Nets going far in the playoffs is going to be good for business in the NBA, especially when you have Boston, you have Philadelphia, you have Miami, you have Milwaukee. So there's no doubt that there are plenty of people rejoicing at this news. Definitely Kyrie Irving, definitely the Irving family, definitely the Brooklyn Nets family, but the NBA family, because now you get one of your stars back and give him a lot of credit. He stuck to his guns about not being vaccinated. It looks like it's going to play in his favor. Hope it's going to play in his favor. We'll see exactly what that's going to look like in the rest of the regular season and the postseason with Kyrie Irving about to be back on the floor this weekend. Jeff Passan is calling it cautious optimism. We are seeing some reports coming out that he might be available as soon as their matchup with the Hornets, which would be at home on Sunday. So we might be able to see him playing on his home court within a matter of days. What really matters here is that Kyrie would be available for a Brooklyn Nets team that is fighting away from a play-in right now, sitting at eighth in the East. And then, of course, this totally changes the dynamic for Brooklyn in these playoffs. I think everybody gives them a much better chance if Kyrie Kyrie is out there, out there game in and game out, assuming they don't match up against Toronto. In Toronto, those games would still be without Kyrie. Just give me Brooklyn versus Philadelphia in the playoffs. I don't care how it happens. I didn't get the pony when I was eight years of age at Christmas. So basketball gods, please give me this because then you have the whole James Harden versus Kyrie Irving because we know the reason James Harden left was because Kyrie Irving would not get vaccinated. He felt that he was not all in and sacrificing for his team. So we get something like that in the playoffs. It is going to tear Twitter apart when and if that happens. It will. Uh, it would not be as fun as it could be because, of course, it doesn't seem like Ben yes. Simmons would be out there after we've gotten the news of the ruptured disc and the back problems there for Ben Simmons. But it'd still be a fun matchup nonetheless.
ESPN Radio. We are on our way out here on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman. We have been hanging out with you for the last four hours, unpacking a lot of breaking news in the NFL and in the NBA. It's been an action-packed show for us. Ryan Clark joined us earlier. Big shout out to him for talking all things NFL with us. Nate Taylor, he brought the Chiefs perspective for us on this huge blockbuster deal between the Miami Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs, which results in the Dolphins, of course, acquiring Tyreek Hill. Jonathan Zaslow, host of the Zaslow Show in Miami on 560 WQAM. He joined us earlier as well for some Dolphins talk. Lots of Miami representation today. I love it. All of my former co-workers down there when I hosted down there in Miami along with Zaz and Channing Crowder of course one of those as well he hosts the Hawk and Crowder show on 560 WQAM in Miami also former Miami Dolphins linebacker he joined us earlier as well so a huge show today Freddie but now it is time to go three and out sometimes it's the worst sometimes it's the best Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is Three and Out. So we had a long wait for Major League Baseball and the Players Association to agree on anything. And now they're just agreeing on stuff all over the place. So now the Major League Baseball and Players Association have agreed to rule changes that include a rule that frankly, specifically benefits one player. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the Shohei Otani rule. That's what this is. <laughs> it is a rule that basically allows now with the universal DH, it allows this rule now where essentially if a starting pitcher is used as the team's DH, then they'll be allowed to remain in the game as a hitter once their day on the mound has ended. So in other words, Shohei Otani won't have to throw nine innings in order to take bats in the ninth and beyond. Basically, this is the Otani rule. Because right. Freddie, ain't nobody want to see any other pitchers hit. Yeah, and, and thank God for that because the Grateful Nation is thankful that we no longer have to see that kind of nonsense with pitchers who don't want to be up there in the first place. But I go back to your point, Amber, in terms of agreeing on something. It's amazing what happens when you use the brain that God gave you and not sit on your brains all the time that we've seen from both Major League Baseball players in their association and the owners of Major League Baseball. Why would it take that long for finally something to get done when it comes to making sure you're not going to have a compromised season? So maybe they've been able to say to themselves, you know what, coming together and compromise for the good of the game, that's not exactly a bad thing. This is another set that maybe Major League Baseball is going to get that act together and stop disrespecting the fans, but more importantly, stop disrespecting the sport and letting it grow and not trying to stifle it. On the NIL front, we have a lot of breaking news over in college sports. Let's start with this. Adidas has, instead of exclusively going after a group of individual players here of college sports, student-athletes, mm-hmm. which we've seen, of course, all over college sports so far, Adidas announced today that they're going to create a name, image, and likeness network for up to 50,000 college athletes to become nice. paid endorsers for the brand. They didn't say how much each athlete is going to be paid, but the program will be open to college athletes at Division One schools, which is 109 schools. Schools. They said the program will be sweeping equitable network and will roll out over the next 12 months. This is the first major brand that we've seen Freddie get involved in the NIL game. What's your reaction to Adidas and NIL? Plenty of coaches in the country do not like this because they're used to getting that money from Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and Michael Jordan's brand Jumpman. But you know what? 
The ones who make your products go are not the coaches. They're the players out there actually putting on the gear and wearing the sneakers. So why would they not benefit from that? And for people who say, well, professional athletes shouldn't be paid. I said the college athletes shouldn't be paid. You don't have a problem with college people having part-time jobs. This is the same thing. The difference is it's a better part-time job than any other college student can have across the country, whether it's a Division One school, Division Two school, Division Three school. I don't know why people get so hot and bothered about somebody investing in young athletes to make sure they get paid for what they're doing, but yet they're okay with coaches jumping here, there, and everywhere and taking on bigger contracts because they have the ability to do so. What's the difference? It's going to be a benefit for everybody, and it's not going to be against the rules of the NCAA. Pay to play is a whole separate conversation. I've been screaming for years that the way to even delay that conversation further would be to allow NIL because why on earth should college kids not be able to benefit off their own name, image, Mm -hmm. and likeness? It was so absurd that there was ever rules against them. Why not let private businesses, and each state has handled this differently with their own sets of laws and legislation and each university has, has as well. Maybe at some point things need to become more streamlined. That's what's interesting to me now that we're seeing major brands like Adidas, like this kind of opens the floodgates where they're taking this whole like 50,000 student athlete approach where I do wonder how that works state by state. I also wonder, frankly, how that works with some of these university deals. If you're a Nike school, as opposed to an Adidas school, or is their university going to allow Absolutely. you to take money from Adidas? Probably not. There's probably some sort of conflict there. So there's a lot with NIL that I think still needs to be streamlined sure. in terms of rules from an NCAA perspective and from a legislation perspective. Imagine if we actually had a body governing college sports that actually did something. Oh, that's what for the longest time I've been saying. We no longer need the NCAA. We need a college commissioner. That's what we need. I don't care who she or he is. You need somebody everybody's going to respect and follow because nobody clearly respects the NCAA and Mark Emmert being in charge of the NCAA as a president. It's such a shame. Also in NIL, NIL news, I think this is even cooler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Edert, of course, uh, the star of St. Peter's. Uh, I'm sure you were very well familiar before That's this right. remarkable run for St. Peter's, where, of course, they are in the Sweet 16. He has gotten an NIL deal, and it is the best NIL deal, I'm here to tell you. Uh-huh. It's not worth millions, probably. I don't know how much it's worth, but it's worth better than that. You can't even put a price tag on this because it's worth chicken wings mm-hmm. from Buffalo Wild Wings. He has gotten an NIL deal yep. with Buffalo Wild Wings. He looks really happy, Freddie, in the picture. They tweeted out. You got free food, and you're going to get paid for eating free food. That's a college student's dream from that standpoint. Only in America, Amber, can you have a college in the middle of a block in Jersey City having this kind of love over the last week or so when it comes to St. Peter's. I don't know if Doug Edert is going to make the league, but I'm here to tell you that all the work that Doug Edert has done his entire life has paid off. No doubt. Also, what's paid off is all the work Spain and Fitz have done their entire life. They're coming up next. This has been Amber Wilson and Freddie Coleman.